Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. So um, I'll be continuing my series tonight um, on welcome to the promised land. And uh, last week I shared about the promise and the promise keeper, which is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, so he is the only way to the promised land, to the promised land of salvation, to the promised land of eternal life, to the promised land of heaven. He is the only way. So it's very narrow, the way to get there to the promised land. But once you get there, it's incredibly expansive. And once you're there, you need to understand that you have authority. If you don't understand your authority in the kingdom of heaven, which is God wants to expand it upon the earth, you don't understand your authority. It's hard to take all the territory that he wants to give you. So tonight I'll be sharing about authority in the promised land. Let's go to Joshua 1. Go ahead and turn to Joshua 1. We'll start, about, start here about some good advice that the Lord spoke to Joshua as he was to take the covenant children into the promised land. And I think this is great advice for us believers today, us covenant believers, as we take the promised land. There are a few things that we need to understand. So this is Joshua 1. We'll start in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to you, as I to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is powerful. And I think that's great advice for us believers, us covenant children of God today as we go into the promised land. We need to understand our authority as we enter the promised land, which we have access through Jesus. So my first point is this. You need to know what belongs to you. Joshua 1, 2 says, the land which I am giving to them. Know what God has given you. God has said, I have already given it to you. As believers, as covenant people, we need to have authority, but to to know how to use our authority, where to use our authority, we need to know what belongs to us. And God has given us a tremendous amount of promises. He has given us a tremendous amount of territory. The Bible says that he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. The promised land is way beyond the status quo. 2 Peter 1, 
Starting in verse 2, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. I, I love that. Our God is a God of multiplication. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things. Say all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him. It's all through him. He is the promise and the promise keeper. Everything comes through a relationship with him. All these promises, these exceedingly great and precious promises, they're all through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, having a relationship with him. When you know how much he loves you, how much he wants, wants to be in your life, you're going to know that he has more for you. There is something more. All things that pertain to life and godliness. He's called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's, that's powerful there. We are to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We aren't just supposed to be like the rest of the world. We're supposed to stand out. Just because the world is corrupting, because the world is getting worse, the world is growing darker and darker, we, we, that does not have to affect us. You know, the fear that, that, that dominates this world, it does not have to affect us as believers. I love that when God spoke to Joshua, he said, do not be afraid. You know, my dad was talking about, um, you know, his book on, on provision, you know, one of the, one of the and, and he, he kind of got upset because a lot of people you know, prophesy fear. And, and, and that be, being afraid is actually the worst thing you can do in making de, you know, business decisions. Making financial decisions. Be, being motivated by fear will actually, you, you won't grow financially. If you, if you look at people who are successfully financially successful in taking financial kingdom, they're they not people who, who are very afraid. They, they take risks, they, 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 they try to grow, they try to expand. Being afraid is, is the worst thing you can do. And I, I, I hear a lot of kooky things all the time from Christians, like just constant kookiness. Like get rid of your U.S. dollars and get Bitcoin. Well, it, it's It's dumb. You know, and you don't want to have all your money in U.S. dollars because, you know, Biden likes to drive inflation and your dollars become worse. So you need to put your dollars into other things, maybe in real estate or, you know, other businesses, these types of things. But if you're just dominated by fear, you're going you're gonna to make some goofy decisions. And the world tends to do better financially than the church does. I look at worldly, you know, nonprofits, worldly colleges. They have billions of dollars in their endowments. Where a lot, a lot of big ministries, a lot of, you know, just, oh, we can barely turn on the lights. Help us. Just debt, 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 debt driven. And we, we shouldn't be debt driven. We should be investment driven. We shouldn't be fear driven. We should be faith driven. Amen? We don't have to be dealing with all this fear. And if, if you have Bitcoin, it's... Fine, I guess I don't know too much about it. But I know like the, the US, I know it's not a gold backed system anymore, but we have nukes that back our government. 
Bitcoin does not have nuclear weapons that can declare that, you know, we have power or whatever. So, um, any, anyhow, that's my economic thinking on that. So, <laughs> Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Know what belongs to you. He's saying every place that the sole of your foot will tread. I talked about the kingdom of heaven last, last week being really limitless. It's expanding, it's growing, and, and I, I love that, that God, when he's speaking to Joshua, he said, every place that the sole of your foot will tread. So that it, really, really, Joshua's authority, as he was crossing the Jordan into the promised land, it, it, it could extend as far as he wanted it to. God told him where he wanted him to go, but, but every place that the sole of your foot touched. You know, the, blessing, the blessing of the Lord is not limited by God. Everything that your hand touches can prosper. We, we, are, we are the ones who are to, to use authority. Amen? To expand his kingdom. Every place that the soul, I like that he talks about the sole of his foot. You know, faith, faith has an attitude. Authority has an attitude. When you understand your, your kingdom authority, you, it's not going to just affect how you talk, it's also going to affect how you walk. You're going to walk with a little strut. You know, know, know what's in your territory. You have jurisdiction. Too many people are afraid to use their authority. You, you have jurisdiction. God has given you authority. You have power and you can use it. You are well within your rights to use it. Some, some people, again, they don't really know what belongs to them, so they don't know where their jurisdiction goes. The kingdom, the kingdom is, is huge. It's expanding. So some believers need to just, just, just go big. Go, go pray for people. Go, go preach the gospel. Go, don't worry, like, well... Should I go share the gospel with my neighbor? I don't know if my jurisdiction extends across the driveway here. <laughs> Just shoot first, ask questions later. God will tell you if you went too far. Generally, most people don't go far enough. I, um, I was kind of thinking about this. I was thinking about um, the modern-day promised land, modern-day Israel. When they became a nation, um, they had a lot to deal with um, um, after World War II. And um, I, I came across the story of a, a certain high-ranking Nazi who escaped. Adolf Eichmann had escaped. He was captured um, in Germany um, at the end of World War II, but somehow he escaped. And he, he ended up fleeing to Argentina and assumed another identity and, and was living in Argentina when the Israeli government found out um, who he was and where he was living. So this was, he, he left in 1945 and had been living in Argentina up until this point in 1960. So the, the Israeli government could have been politically correct, been, you know, just asked Argentina, you know, can you track down this guy and bring him to us because he killed millions of, he was the architect of the final solution. He's, he was personally responsible for killing six million Jews. You know what they did? They, they, they did what believers should do. 
They just exercised their, their authority. They didn't ask. They, they, they sent, they sent um, spies, basically, to Argentina to, to capture Adolf Eichmann. They, they studied his patterns. They knew when he got off the train, when he went home, and they, they captured him. They, they, they held him in a, in a safe house for nine days until they could. They, they knew the Argentinian government wouldn't let them take this person who was an Argentinian citizen. So they, they, um, they drugged him and put him on a plane, on a passenger plane. I think it was a, a British like Airways plane and, and flew him back to Israel. And, um, and, and when, when he landed in Israel, the, the Prime Minister, Ben Green, said, hey, we have Eichmann. Thanks, Argentina. And Argentina was really upset. You've violated our sovereignty. And Israel, they tried him and hung him. And uh, he was hung in 1962. Um, sometimes you just need to just go for it. And not worry about what other people think. Not worry about certainly what the world thinks, what the kingdom of darkness thinks. Just be the light. Go out guns blazing. Amen? And um, sometimes people go, well, I need, to, I need to have a word from God before I... Just go, and then, and then let him direct you after the fact. He'll, he'll tell you if you went too far, went the wrong direction. It's, it's a lot easier for God to correct a moving ship than a parked ship. There's a lot of parked ships out there. So just, just go for it. I think um, that's a good philosophy to have in the kingdom of heaven. Just go big, go home, shoot first, ask questions later. One of, one of my least, one of my pet peeves is, well, I'll pray about it. Like, hey, can you, can you serve on prayer team or can you, and it's actually an honor to do something. And it's like, well, let me pray about it. I'm like, well, just go for it. And then God will tell you later if, it's one of those religious cliches I'm not always a fan of. Anyhow, some, anyways, this, this is good, this is good, good advice. I know, I know some people are like, well, let me pray about it. Let me, should I come to church next, this Sunday? Let me, let me pray about it. I love this. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear motivate you. Make decisions by faith. And when you're, when you're making major decisions, any kind of major decision I make in life, I, I, I look at myself and, and am I being motivated by fear or am I being motivated by faith? You know, recently my dad had a, a candidate for mayor here. And he, he, he's met her. He knows she's a, she's a believer. She's a good, strong, conservative candidate. He, he wants to support her. He called other pastors in the area who you know, say they, they, they want to do a lot politically. And they're like, well, we're just going to see what happens. It's being motivated by fear, not by faith, not by just going for it. Let's, let's back someone. And, and this, Colorado Springs is a very important city politically and also for the kingdom. 
You know, most, most probably 98% of cities this size are, are run by Democrats. This is one of the few large cities, large counties, over half a million people that, that are primarily conservative. And if, if we don't use our brains, things could sw swap very quickly. So let's, let's um, be strong and of good courage and not just worry about playing whatever political game that everyone plays all the time. Amen? Be strong and of good courage. And I love that he gives the, the, the key to, to being prosperous and having good success. How many of you want to have good success? The number one key to having good success is to follow the word of God. The word of God has to be preeminent in your life. If the Bible says it, that settles it. And I'm going to do what it says. Follow the word of God. I love one of the last things that Moses spoke to Israel. It's in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. He spoke this from the Lord God. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life in the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. If you want to live in the promised land, expand in the promised land, you need to follow the word of God. It has to have preeminence in your life. I want to be prosperous. I want to have good success. I want to have length of days. I want my descendants to, to be mighty upon the earth. And I know it all comes down to the word of God. I love that this church is a word church. We preach the word of God. We value the word of God. We don't, we don't apologize for what the word of God says. Amen. We don't hide what the word of God says. Because, because the word has power. Amen? So we need to know what belongs to us. My next point is this. God wants you to reign in life. I love, I love this. You can turn to Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. I'm going to kind of dig into this here. What it means to reign in life. Romans 5, 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you, you are a sinner. You are, you are that, that, that is just how you are. I talked about it last week. That, you know, human nature without Jesus is, it, it's It's sin. It's not good, it's not right, it's not perfect, it's not holy, it's not righteous. Any thing, things that are, are trying to improve the world without, without Jesus, it, it's not 
It's not going to do it. Social justice movements without Jesus is not going to bring justice. Political movements, political philosophies without Jesus is not going to bring about positive change. Trying to find truth apart from Jesus is not going to bring about full truth. Many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. God has something more powerful than what the enemy had planned for mankind. When he, when he stripped mankind of their authority, of their righteousness, of their, of their power, of the blessing, God had something much greater that was going to abound much more. And that was given to us through Jesus Christ. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants us to reign in life. The the word there for reigning in life, it means to exercise. It's not just a a pretty, it it actually means you're going to use something in life. You're going to exercise kingly power and authority to reign in life. You have to exercise authority. If you do not exercise your authority as a believer, as a son of God, you're not going to reign in life. You have to exercise your kingly authority. And you can only reign in life through two things, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I love that it says the abundance of grace. I preach an entire message just on those three words, abundance of grace. Whenever God demonstrates grace, it is always in abundance. It's never short. It's never lacking. It is over, it's over more than you need. God wants you to reign in life, so he's going to give you an abundance of grace to do it, grace that frees you, grace that transforms you, and grace that empowers you. There is an empowering side of grace. Because to reign in life, you have to have power. You have to have authority. You have to know what is yours. Know what belongs to you. Right before church, my daughter Ada, she's two. She's just like, mine, 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 mine. She's starting to understand her individual will, her, you know, wherever she thinks, wherever her foot touches, it's hers. It doesn't matter if it's Fisher's room or Mama's room or the bathroom. It doesn't matter. And she was saying that, that word, mine, 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 mine. I wish there were some believers with that kind of attitude. When the enemy attacked, when darkness, when lies were being spit out, say, no, I have the truth. I have Jesus. It's mine, 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 mine. I know the truth. The abundance of grace, grace that frees you, it transforms you, and empowers you. The second thing you need to reign in life is the gift of righteousness. I love that he says the gift of right. You cannot earn it. God's righteousness is so valuable, so immense, so immeasurable that there is nothing you can do as a human. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. It doesn't matter how moral you think you are. It doesn't matter the only way you can be truly righteous is through, through the free gift, by gift. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
This is one of the most powerful verses in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus is perfect, spotless, the only human to ever walk on the face of the earth who knew no sin. And he took sin upon himself. He took the punishment for sin upon himself. Not, not so just that our, our, our slate could be wiped clean. Yes, you are forgiven. But something much greater than that happened at the cross. At the cross, when Jesus died, all your sins were washed away. Atonement was made for your sin. If Jesus just died on the cross, I'm gonna, this is hypothetical. If Jesus just died on the cross, all of your sins would be forgiven. The, the blood of Jesus would have wiped away all of your sins for, for all of humanity. Whoever would, would plead the blood of Jesus, all your sins would be washed. His death on the cross did that. So he, he became sin for us. But there is another side to what happened at the cross. Jesus didn't just stay in that grave. He got up out of that grave. That way he could give something to us. That way he could give us righteousness. We don't just have a, a blank slate. Yes, our sins were washed away, but something more than that happened. When he got up out of that grave, he gave us resurrection life, and he gave us righteousness. We are now the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Whenever the, the devil tries to argue and say, well, he's not righteous, she's not righteous, they aren't gonna, Jesus is alive. And he, 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 he pleads the blood for us on our behalf. He makes intercession for us, saying, no, I took sin, but I gave them righteousness. My righteousness is their righteousness. My divine nature is now their divine nature. Aaron Purdue is the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Our authority to reign in life, God wants us to reign in life, it can only come through Jesus Christ. If you're going to have authority, someone with authority has to give it to you. A lot of people like to, 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 to say they have authority and just go out and do things, but you cannot have authority unless it is given to you. Jesus said this in Matthew 28. You can turn there if you'd like. Matthew 28 Verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When he got up out of that, this is the last thing he spoke to his disciples before ascending to heaven. He said all, he wanted to, uh, to understand authority. I had authority before the cross, but after the cross, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That would have upset a few scribes and Pharisees. I think that's why he didn't appear to the scribes and Pharisees and non-believers after he got up out of that grave. Because they, they couldn't have handled what he had. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Just go. Shoot first, ask questions later. Just go. Don't even pray about it. Go. Go. 
I'll, I'll course correct you if I have to. <laughs> go, go, go where? All nations, everywhere. Yay. To the neighbor on your right, on your left, everywhere. You don't have to, you don't even have to pray about it. Just, just preach. Lay the hands on the sick. Well, which sick? Let me pray about if I should pray for them. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing who? Baptizing everyone you're making disciples of. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. To observe all things that I have commanded you. Just like God spoke to, to, through Moses. Follow the word of God. Follow what I've spoken to you. Follow what Jesus has spoken to us. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That was the same thing that God was speaking to Joshua. I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Go. Go across the Jordan. Go into the promised land. Jesus has all authority. So before you realize what, what only someone with authority can grant someone other Authority as well. That authority, the Greek word exousia, it means authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength. We have tremendous, tremendous liberty, tremendous power, tremendous strength, tremendous authority. And Jesus, I love that's one of the last things he spoke before he ascended into heaven. Well, it was about authority. He preached about authority. I want you to understand my authority, and I want you to understand what I'm telling you to do through my authority. Let's look at Colossians 1. Go over to Colossians 1, 12 through 18. If you're going to, to expand the kingdom, you have to understand authority. And I, I love, man, Paul, Paul understood the authority of Jesus. From the time he saw that light and heard Jesus speak to him, he understood that Jesus had authority. Colossians 1 verse 12, he said, I'm giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. I love it. He said, the Father is the only one that can qualify us. You cannot qualify yourself. The law cannot qualify you. A man cannot qualify you. Only God can qualify you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He, he understood kingdom principles. There is a power of darkness. There is a power that there is a kingdom of the enemy. But when, when we believed on Jesus, he delivered us from that power. There is, there is a power of, that, of darkness. The enemy does have power. He does have power over people. There, there are demonic strongholds in the world today. But we've been delivered from that. We've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. All of our sins have been wiped away through His blood. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, I love this. This is, this is just pure preaching on the authority of Jesus. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. He's saying, I don't care if, it, if, it's, if it's spiritual, if it's physical, political, whatever empire, whatever demon, I, Jesus is above it all. 
He was there with the Father in the beginning. Through him, all things were created. He has authority over everything. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. That means if Jesus ceased to exist, if his promises ceased to exist, this universe would blow up. Through him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. It's all about Jesus. Man, Jesus, he was speaking to me Sunday during worship. My, my parents gave some words, and um, it kind of tied into what they were saying, but God, God was just speaking to me saying, no flesh will glory in my presence. No flesh, will, no, no amount of pride, no manner, no, no, any kind of selfishness, any kind of, it's not gonna, it's not gonna last. It's all about Jesus. He has the preeminence over all. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's, it's all about Jesus. And what counts is, is what we are doing in him and through him and for him. Amen? He wants to have the preeminence. The Father has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. I love that. The inheritance. I have one more point for you I want to share. Speaking about authority, and this, all, this really comes down to relationship. Authority through relationship with Jesus. This is my last point. You have to remember that you are a member of God's royal family. I am a son of the king. I'm not a slave. I'm not a beggar. I am a child of God. You have, you have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. You are a part of that royal family. And, and God wants you to know that. He wants you to understand that you are part of his family, that you have authority as a son, as a daughter of the king. Amen? He really wants you. He wants you to understand it so much that he placed his own spirit inside of you that constantly cries out to Daddy God, to Abba Father. You know, when I, when I met Heather, she, she had lost her previous husband. She moved here with um, Fisher, who was just four years old at the time, and um, when we got married, I became an insta-dad. But one thing that, that I did when I married Heather, I didn't just marry Heather, I became a father. And God did something in my heart. He, he, he spoke to my heart and said, you know, you're, you're, yes, you're a, a husband to Heather, but you're also a, a father to, he did something in my spirit, in my soul, in my heart, deep within me, that, something that, that cries out to Fisher saying, you're my son. And God actually spoke to me very clearly saying, you know, I was very excited. I wanted to, I didn't get married until I was 31. I was very excited to, to be married. You know, when I first married Heather, she, she, it was just her and Fisher. So like Fisher slept in the bed with her. And I I'm, so now that we're married, he's going to sleep in his own bed. <laughs> I'm exercising my authority here. It was a sad day for Heather Fisher, her little boy. See, she, she, she's to, to nourish her little boy, who's still baby Fisher to her, but I'm, I'm to raise him up to be a man. So there's these, this struggle, this tug of war, where it's the nourishing my little baby boy, and I'm trying to make him become a self, you know, independent man of God. 
It's good to have that balance. I think that's why God gave us mothers and fathers. And but he, he spoke to me about Fisher, but before he got married and said, you, you know, one of the, one of the, he said one of the greatest privileges of your life will be to raise Fisher as your son. And he, he did something in Fisher's heart too. Something in, in Fisher realized that I, I'm not just Aaron. I'm not just the guy who's kicking me out of my mama's bed. And making me do chores and making me shovel snow for Pastor Lawson at the church and teaching him the work ethic. And he's, Fisher, something happened in his heart too. And he, 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 just on his own, he started calling me dad. Shortly after we got married, he just, we didn't coach him, we didn't explain anything to him, just on his own, he just knew I was dad. Something, God put that in his heart that I'm dad and and now that we have Ada, it's just mom, dad, Fisher, Ada. Fisher's even asked me, what happens if, if you were to die? What, where, who would get all your stuff, dad? Who would get your flutes and your watches and this house? And I say, Winston's going to get it all, my dog. <laughs> that, was, that was my will before I met Heather, just me and Winston and Something were happen to me. He'd be the no. I, I don't have a will for Winston. I said, "Well, your mom would get everything, and if me and her go at the same time, I said you get fifty percent. Ada gets fifty percent. You're my son. She's my daughter. You're my favorite son. She's my favorite daughter. <laughs> yeah. When when you understand that you're a son, you realize that there there's you get stuff." And um, Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts. God wants you to know so much that you're a son, that you're a daughter of God, that he has actually placed his spirit within you. That way, no matter what people say, no matter what you think, no matter what you're going through, there, there, as, inside of you, there's always something just calling out to Daddy God. There's something inside of you that, that, that makes you know that there's a place for you. That, that, that there's, a, there, there's a home for you. He's placed that spirit inside of us, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. And if you are a son, if you are a daughter of God, then you are an heir of God through Christ. You know that there are good benefits for being part of the family. You know that you get some stuff. And, I, I, and it's not... This is really powerful. I love, I love what Romans 8, 16, and 17 says about this. The Spirit himself, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, right? We're heirs of God. But I love, I love that this goes a little bit further. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. See, Fisher, Fisher and Ada, they're both, they're both joint heirs. Joint heirs with Christ. You know, so I, I, a few years ago, I hired someone to, to research the Purdue lineage. And um, they went back 14 generations of Purdue. Purdue is French. It, I, I used to always think it meant lost, because in modern French, Purdue means lost. And I get lost very easily. 
And, um, but Purdue does not, it does not mean lost. My ancestors, it, it meant par, pardue, which means for God. It was, it was a name that was a vow, that they, they, they are living for God. They took the name Pardieu, and, and the, the early Purdue's left, left France during um, the Catholic and Huguenot persecution, the, the Catholic persecution of Huguenots, the French Protestants. So the Purdue's valued freedom. They still value freedom today. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what tyrant may be on the throne in the state of Colorado. They went to England, and there they realized things were much better. And from England, they went to Virginia in the 1600s. And um, I even have the exact parcel of land that the early Purdue's occupied in Virginia. It's actually in the same county where Heather's stepdad came from in Virginia. And... Um, they, these people who, who researched the Purdue answers, they've, they found some, you know, legal documents. There's actually a, a, a Purdue Bible that goes back to the revolutionary time period in, in a library in Virginia. You know, those, those Bibles that have, you know, the, the genealogy, and uh, they're, they're actually um, legal documents. My dad told me when I first started preaching, whenever you do a wedding, write it down in your Bible who you married because it's actually a legal document. The Bible of a minister Family Bibles are historical things. They, they are legal things. So, you know, if I, if I marry you, I put it in my Bible who I married, and, and that is proof that your marriage existed if, if all, you know, county records were dissolved or state, right? Like a, a Bible holds records. So, so there's a Purdue Bible from the Revolutionary Time Period in a library in Virginia, but um, the, there's a Purdue who fought in the Revolutionary War, and um, um, they have his, his will, and he had about, his name was um, Malachi Purdue, and I think he had about 12 children, but, but there were a few children that, that were not co-heirs in the will. You know, there were like eight or nine children that got good stuff, they got land, they got houses, they got feather beds, and <laughs> these valuable things from that time period. But there were a couple of Purdue's that got one dollar, and that was it. <laughs> one dollar, and the, the only explanation was for reasons known to myself. <laughs> Some people think in, in the kingdom, you know, we, we, are the, we are the one dollar heirs. That we're just, we are co-heirs. With Jesus, you're not just the one dollar heir. You have an abundance of grace. You have the gift of right. You have all things that pertain to life. You are co-heirs with Jesus. You are joint heirs with Him. First John three, one says this: "Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him." Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. When we see Jesus face to face, we're going to realize what he's put inside of us. 
We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And uh, before I close, I want to read one more scripture from Luke 10, starting in verse 17. This is when Jesus kind of started preaching to his disciples about authority. So he, this is something he preached quite frequently to his disciples, and he wanted to really bring it home before he ascended into heaven. But this is before his um, crucifixion. He, he sent out the 70. He wanted them to go out and test, do a test run. Some of you need to just do a little test run on uh, some of the things that he's given you. You just need to do a little, just go, go try to pray for someone. Hey, can I pray for you? Just do, you might be surprised what happens. Luke 10, verse 70, he sent out the 70. It says, they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I don't know why people freak out about demonic power and think it's like, we have so much power over the devil and all, all of the, the kingdom of darkness. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah. Well, and anything anything that, it, that gets its power from Satan, the head, uh, the head of demonic power, the head of that, he's the king of that, of that, of that darkness. And he saying the, the head of all that authority, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. He, he cannot stand a chance against the kingdom of light. Amen. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. He said, this is, that's not a big deal. The devil, anything that extends from the devil, you know, sickness, death, defeat, the curse. Really, what we should be ultimately rejoicing in is that our names are written in heaven, that we have authority in heaven. And because our names are written in heaven, because of our heavenly position, that extends to this earth. Amen? Your name is written in heaven, so we have authority on this earth because of our position in heaven. Our authority to walk in the promised land, it extends from heaven itself. We can bring heaven here to this earth. And this is my conclusion. This is something Heather told me she heard, and it's really good. Unless you pick a kingdom, you don't have authority. Choose Jesus. Choose to walk in his promises. Choose to live for his glory. Choose to care about what he thinks. Choose to give him preeminence. Choose to give him the glory. Choose to walk in your authority. Choose to bring heaven here to earth. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.